because every once in a while, you might find people that you don't like. They're rare, but every once in a while, you're going to find somebody that <laughs> you go, you know what? I don't know how much I like this person. And here's my suggestion. I was taught a long time ago, Zig Ziglar said, you should leave every client interaction in such a graceful and professional way that it makes it easier for the next person behind you to gain access to that client. That is how we keep our profession clean. That is how we maintain professionalism and integrity in what we do. And so back out gracefully. There's no need to fight with them if they're jerks. Just count your blessings that you don't have to do business with them and you definitely don't have to give and take care of their referrals who are probably gonna be a lot like them. Move on, take your energy, and be thankful that you found somebody you didn't like early on before you got too far down the road. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors and fuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Neuroside of Influence and Leadership with Renee Rodriguez. Welcome back to the Neuroside podcast. And today we are, we're going to have some fun today. I think we're going to talk about something that is somewhat controversial. I, mean, I don't know if it's controversial is the right word. But I'm going to share something that I don't always talk about. We're going to talk about the art of conversation, how to be a conversationalist. I think it's one of the lost art forms. I think so many people have lost this form of how to hold a conversation. I think guys have lost it. We, we're going to talk about why nice guys finish last. Yeah, they do. And you're going to hear my take on that one and why. We're going to talk a lot about communication. We're going to talk about the psychology of it in a broad sense. And, but more importantly, interpersonal influence and in, in a methodology that we call the love method and something that is very, very popular in our Amplify course. And so let's dive in. So not, not everybody that we talk to wants to get in front of a room, in front of the room to be in front of hundreds, thousands, ten, to influence. But everybody, everybody wants to and needs to, whether you want to or not, you're going to need to influence one-on-one. And that ability to influence one-on-one is going to be probably one of the biggest skill sets that differentiates you. But personally, not just in business, you, this is one of those things that you need to have this skill set with your family, you're gonna to need to have it with your kids, with your spouse, you're gonna to need to have it with everyone. That ability to influence one-on-one. And I remember, I want you to remember that this isn't always about what you say. I know that you, you learn a lot from me around how you structure a message, the sequence in which you say it, always on the offensive. But this is also about how you present yourself and how you're able to listen. And so we're going to talk a lot about that. But again, not everybody wants to be in front of the room. And some of us want to or need to be able to influence one-on-one. In fact, me as a, as a keynote speaker, would do well over 100 events a year. And that's not including Zoom calls and, and moments to influence in more than you know, one-on-many situations. Now we're talking 300, 400, 500, maybe 1,000 times. And 
most of my time is spent one-on-one interpersonally with people. And so I've got to be able to do that and listen to be able to do that. And so this whole lost art of conversation, I learned that it was a problem. It's interesting actually how I learned that. It was not something I knew was an issue. But I used to travel the country helping loan officers, sales professionals get better at generating leads, appointments through cold calling. And I know a lot of people don't like cold calling. They think there's better ways of doing it. They they like internet marketing, which is great. I think that's an awesome thing to do. Not everybody's good at that. Internet leads is an in digital marketing, that is an entire skill set. I mean, that is, man, if you can figure that out, that's fantastic. I'll take your class. I'm still trying to figure that one out. But those can, that, that, that can't, we're talking about the sales skill. The ability to get in front of somebody and have that conversation is lost. I think especially with people's you know use of cell phones and text messaging and just how to have a conversation, the good old-fashioned, how are you, what, what wakes you up at night, what keeps you up at night, what are the things that, that uh, you know, if you could have dinner with somebody, anybody in history, who would that be and why? What are your values? Those, those are the things that just make people interesting. And we've lost that. And we especially lose that conversation in sales situations. Anytime we're in a promotional activity or we're promoting ourselves in way, any way, shape, or form, even dating, we lose that. We change. We, we literally change. And I want to help you understand why. So I used to go across the country and we would teach loan officers, we would teach sales professionals how to make these cold calls. And there's certain things about me, and this is what I love about this podcast, I can be a little bit more myself. Because if you don't like it, you can just tune out. But I hope you do like it, so don't tune out. <laughs> I do want you to listen. But the thing that I, that I don't have patience for, and I've got a lot of patience, I don't have patience for excuses. And I don't have patience when those excuses are in the form of, yeah, that's great, Renee, but that doesn't work in my industry or that doesn't work in real life. So if I tell you a theory, if I give you a script or if I give you a methodology sales process or whatever, and somebody loves it, but they go, yeah, that doesn't really work. I don't have patience for that. And so the way that I take care of that is I tell people, I said, don't worry, I'm going to show you the script. I'm going to go through the theory, go through the psychology, and I'll be the first one to make the phone call. And here's the deal. If I make the phone call and we see that it works, you have to shut your mouth and get on the phone afterwards, and I don't want to hear any excuses. And I say that with a smile. And of course, if I do that in the beginning, it's accepted with a smile. Now, here's here's a secret. If I do that in the beginning, that's the key to getting buy-in. Because... The thought of making a group of people make cold calls is painful. When I come in and take and remove that pressure for me to do that, that is a, that is a gift. That is a reward to them. And in that moment, we call those moments of power. I can ask for something. So if I'm going to remove the stress, don't worry, you don't have to make the cold call. I will. And since you don't have to make that cold call, I'm going to ask you for something that if it's successful... You have to then do it. The part of the brain that doesn't think to the long term, that system one, will agree. And so it's also just a moment of leverage, right? It's a moment of leverage. And it's a great tool for management. It's a great tool for your kids. It's a great tool for gaining commitment. And also, it's ethical. You know why it's ethical? 
Because for me to help them make more, more phone calls, it's going to help them earn more money. It's going to help them save more money in terms of earn more or save more money for the future. And if their product's good, it's going to help them serve more clients. It's going to help them improve their lives. So if I'm successful with these phone calls, then you have to do it. And they say, okay, great. And I, then I'll facetiously say, and I don't have the patience for you guys telling me it doesn't work. And of course, they laugh. So it's good. So I went out there and I make these phone calls. And of course, it worked about 88% of the time. But let's talk about why. Why didn't they want to do it? And this is where we would begin. Because I'd say, okay, so first and foremost, why isn't it that you don't go out and make these phone calls? Because there is an endless supply of people that you could be calling. There's an endless supply of people that, that you could ask anything of. Because don't just think sales. If you listen to this and you're not in sales, don't tune out because this... There might be some sales examples in what I'm talking about here, but this, there's so much more here than just selling. There's so much more here. This is, there's, if, you want, if you're trying to raise money, there's an endless supply of people that, that you could talk to about raising money. If you're looking for a date, there's an endless supply of people you could ask out on a date. There's an endless supply of people that you could ask for a job if you're looking for a job. Why don't you keep asking? And just until someone say yes, says yes, because we know that the math works. It's, it's a law of averages. At some point, someone's going to say yes. Well, it comes down to the word that we all know, the fear of rejection. So let's start there. What is this fear of rejection? So the fear of rejection comes down to understanding that we created it. We created this fear of rejection. And this fear of rejection that we created is created for a reason. And so let's, let's dive into it. Okay. So I want you to imagine for a minute. And if you, when I have my groups, I, I, I look at women, I look at men and I'll ask men for a minute. I say, look, all the guys, have you ever hit on a girl before? And all the men of course say, yes, you always got a joke that says, no, I haven't. And of course they say yes. And have you ever been turned down? Every man has always been turned down. It sucks. <laughs> it is not fun. And so, of course, we'll ask women, you've ever been hit on? They say yes. And, and then I'll ask the question, how soon can you tell it's going to happen? You're at the bar, you've chosen girls' night, and it's like one of those things, you've got your back turned towards everybody, and then you see that guy with that stare, that douchebaggy stare coming at you from across the room, and how soon can you read it? And they all say, from a mile away. And so then he walks up to you, and he says, excuse me. Uh, do brown shoes or black shoes go better with this? And immediately, now, you may answer politely, uh, brown shoes, black shoes, or whatever. But every woman in the audience knows, and every woman at the bar knows, that that question had nothing, nothing at all, to do with the color of shoes. It had everything to do with a different question, an underlying question. And so it's no different than when you call a real estate agent, when you call uh, a potential referral source and you say, hey, I've heard great things about you. And gosh, you know, I'd love to take you out to, to, to lunch and, and learn more about your business. They're not hearing that that's what you want to do. What they're hearing is, you want my business. That girl at the bar is hearing, you want something else. And so when you think about it from that perspective, let's analyze that a little bit deeper. You know, we've, I've had guys come up to me all the time in my sessions and say, you know, Renee, does, does, this, does this influence stuff, does it work in helping me meet women? And my answer is 100% yes. And so let's address that for a minute. 
here's the thing. There are a lot of amazing, good men out there that have a really hard time meeting women. And they're lonely. And you know what? That's sad. That sucks. And they're lonely because they haven't been taught how. And for some reason, society taught, and maybe whoever, what it was, that being nice was the way to do it. Now, if you're listening to me, and if you're a woman listening to this, thinking, well, no, nice is good. I'm not saying nice is, is not good. And I'm not saying to not be nice. And because I like to say that I'm nice. Most people would say that I'm pretty nice. It's the why. Why are you being nice? And, I, and they'd say, well, nice guys finish last. And I'd look at them and I said, well, hold on a second. I said, well, why are you nice? And they'd say, well, my mother taught me or I was learned this. I said, okay, okay. So if that's the reason, why are you only nice to her? Why not her or her or her? Why just nice to her? And he's like, well, eh, well, I'm like, you like her, don't you? He's like, yeah. I said, so, but, so why nice though? And it takes him a while to realize that he's equating if nice, then something. And that's a quid pro quo. And, and if you want to be real honest about it, that's a manipulative lie. It's a passive manipulative lie. And guess who doesn't like passive manipulative liars? Every human being, especially women. And so when we think about it from that perspective, I'm giving you a female, male-female dynamic to help you understand. If you're approaching a real estate agent, a referral partner, and you call them being extra nice and trying to get them to like you, because that's the hidden agenda we're talking about. There's a hidden agenda when you're doing cold calls. When you approach from that perspective, they read that hidden agenda a mile away. And guess what? It's passive. It's deceiving. It's manipulative. And it's a lie. And nobody likes passive, manipulative liars. And so we got to get that in our heads. And once that sort of clicks, the next question is, well, well, well how do I do it then? I said, well, why are the jerks doing it? Well, I said, well, here's the thing. I'm not saying be a jerk. At least the jerk is honest. <laughs> At least the jerk is saying, here's what I want. It might be crude. It might be rude. But at least it's on the table. And then the person can enter with both eyes open. Now, how do we apply this to business? And how do we apply it with, with in my opinion, more tact and a little bit more grace? But what does all this mean? Because I'm really just talking about dynamic here, right? And if we're talking about a conversation, and we got to go about this very differently, and, and usually what will come next is they'll say, you know what, I, I just get so nervous when I make phone calls, or I get so nervous when I'm talking to the opposite sex. And I said, I hear you. I said, you know what, and usually we're out, is that a restaurant or something? I said, you know what, hold on a second. I want to continue this conversation. Would you do me a favor? I got to run to the restroom real quick. And... Would you ask her if it's okay to park my car where we're at? I don't want to get towed. I'll be right back. And I'll go and come right back. And, of course, he goes right over and he asks her, has a conversation, and comes right back. And he goes, no, 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 you're good. I go, so how was that conversation? He goes, fine, why? Did you feel nervous? He said, why would I be nervous? I'm like, well, she's, she's a very attractive woman. You didn't get nervous at all talking to her? He said, no. I said, did you get the information? He goes, yeah. I said, but why didn't you get nervous? And he looked at me and I said, the reason why you didn't get nervous is you didn't have a hidden agenda. You were just honest. 
and you were just getting information. I said, so the nerves that you feel, that fear of rejection, is something you create. It's not something she creates. So let's get that clear. And those are those aha moments, right? In those sales presentations, when we're speaking in front of groups, that fear, that nerves, all that stuff that we create, or that, that we feel, are things that we create. And once we understand that, the moment that we understand that, everything begins to change. And so let's first put that into perspective. Getting to be a conversationalist, we have to understand and, and unlearn all of the things that we were taught before and all of our old habits. One of those is that we have to get people to like us, right? And, and it's not an overt habit. We're not basically going out there. I need to get them to like me. But that's an implicit in sort of understanding that we, most of us try to, we, I mean, we all want to be impressive, right? We all want to be liked. Who doesn't? I don't go on stage hope, you know, not wanting to be impressive because if I'm not impressive, they're not going to ask me to come back. And so, but this is one of the things that we teach. We said the moment that you get up there trying to be impressive, that's the moment the presentation's over. You've lost sight of everything and your audience knows it because it's not about them anymore. It's about you. It's about your ego. But when it comes to cold calling, when it comes to having a conversation, especially in the scenario when there is some sort of promotional overtone or undertone to it, we change who we are. And that is what I'm trying to help you change. That's what needs to shift. The whole piece of this is when we stop trying to get people to like us, because that's, that's it. The moment you stop trying to get someone to like you, because we went up and asked for, you know, is it okay to park out in front and you know, next to that meter? He wasn't trying to get anybody to like them. He was just himself. He was just himself. And so how do we get to be back more of ourselves? That is the key. And so the first thing we have to do is stop trying to like people, or stop, stop trying to get people to like us. And then we gotta switch our focus. What we have to do is start trying to like people. And so what we would do, and I'll go back to this, and I would have these conversations, and let's go back to the shoe example. Hey, do the brown shoes or black shoes go better with this? that whole passive manipulative approach that never works. Now, in some cases, if you're just devastatingly handsome, you can walk over and do anything and it's going to work, right? But not, not, not all of us are that lucky, right? We got to be a little bit smoother and have a better game plan. So when that happens, I'll give you an example. So what's happening is when you approach that way, I want you to imagine above the client's head, above the person you're talking to's head, it's a real estate agent, whoever it is you're talking to. There's a little mini iPad. And in that iPad is what we call the root. It could be the frame, right? We talk about framing all the time. It's called the root, though. The root is what they're really thinking. It's a root, what it is. So if I say, hey, brown shoes or black shoes, they're thinking, yeah, you just want my number. Or you just want to date me. Or you just want you fill in the blank, right? We know what we're talking about here. And now, if that's what they're really thinking, then everything is filtered through that. That's the frame of reference they're coming from. What needs to happen is, is we need to put a frame, a root in place before they have a chance to do that. And so imagine that same shoe example. And I walk up to them and say, hey, excuse me for a minute. My friends and I are having a discussion over here and we need a female perspective. Uh, do you know if brown shoes or black shoes go better with this? And now all of a sudden, that changes everything because it's not about her. It's a conversation between me and my friends. We just need a female perspective. She happened to be female, you're there, and she's welcome to offer 
an opinion. Now, what happens here is that that's a safer environment for her to choose in or out of. If she's interested, she's got an opportunity to, to show some indication of interest. And if she's not, she can just answer the question politely and we'd be on our merry way. But it's an opportunity to begin that conversation if that's what I wanted. But now, just that sequence change creates more safety. We talked about resistance in one of the uh, one of the, our, our beginning podcasts. Make sure you go back and listen to it. You know how to overcome resistance. All of this sort of plays in and of itself, into itself. But just changing that question changes the entire feel of it. And so, my scripting when I was calling these people involved rooting prior to letting the agents know. And this specific scenario is calling real estate agents and setting appointments for loan officers. And if you don't understand that business, loan officers get a majority of their leads from real estate agents. And real estate agents are not all that fired up about getting phone calls from loan officers because <laughs> they get them all the time. And so how can you help that scenario? And what we created was a real simple script. And it was all based on integrity. It was based on some simple scripting and simple sequencing that went along the lines of this. One was a commitment that the loan officers and the team made to for this specific year to surround themselves around people that were committed to excellence and committed to making their lives better. And so they were looking for people that had that same commitment to excellence. They also wanted to grow their, their dream team of people that they could refer business to. And so that's what they were looking for. So they were trying to find people that they liked. And that goes, goes back to it. Instead of trying to get people to like them, they're trying to find people that they liked. And then so they would take a keen interest in people. And they would really proactively try to find reasons to like someone. And so those phone calls would sound different. Say, hey, John from XYZ Real Estate Company. How, how are you? I hope I'm not interrupting anything. Uh, sure, what's up? You know, hey, just uh, real quick, you're, 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 I want to call because your name came up in a meeting this last week. It did. We actually would come up in a meeting and we'd look at their website and say, you know, it's doing some cool and unique things in the marketplace and, and wanted to say, I'm really intrigued by your website. And, you know, we would teach them how to look at the website, find something that we really were intrigued by and bring it up into the conversation. So bring relevancy, do a little bit of homework. And the person would say, wow, oh, thanks. I said, yeah, so how do you like working at uh, XYZ company so far? Let's say Keller Williams so far. And we would gauge the response, right? An engaging question. And if you ask a question, that forces the person to think and it doesn't give them a, a chance to create some sort of negative frame or some sort of negative reason as to why you called because you provided the reason. Their name came up at a meeting. So, you, so if you provide the reason, then their brain doesn't have to do any work to come up with some sort of negative reason. I gave him a reason. And then I asked a question, which further didn't give them a chance to come up with any other reason why they need to get off the phone because they're now occupied with processing the answer of a question. And so then that gives me the, the, the chance to see how to answer it. Well, I love it here. And now we would train people to be an expert on the stories and value propositions of all of the brokers, brokerages in that market. And they say it was great. And I was a big fan and of Keller Williams. They say, you know, it's, hey, Green, I read the Millionaire Real Estate Agent book. I truly believe it's one of the best real estate books ever written. In fact, one of the best sales books ever written. And I said, is the training as good as the book? And they'd say, you know what? Actually, it is. It's one of the best training companies. They would just give me a sense of what they were. And I would just listen. I would listen to what they'd say. And that would start a little conversation. I'd expand upon what they were listening, saying. But I didn't have an agenda. I would just listen. Let them drive the conversation for 35, 40 seconds, maybe a minute. And if they really like to talk, I'd, I'd, we'd just talk. 
Remember, I'm trying to find somebody I like. And usually, you end up kind of liking people. And then they talk, and then I'd go back to the script. I'd say, you know, another reason why I'm calling is, I'm, you know, we made a decision this year to surround ourselves with people that are doing some cool, unique things in the marketplace and have a commitment to excellence, just like we do. I'm also looking to surround ourselves with people that, you know, that we can trust our referrals to. And so based on, you know, our conversation and, you know, your social media, sorry, I stalked, stalked you a little bit. By the way, it's a compliment to stalk people. It's 2021. Sorry, I stalked you a little bit. It looks like we might be a fit. What I'd like to do is find a time in the, week, in the next week or so for us to get together and explore that a little bit more. What days of the week are bad for you? And of course, that question is a powerful one. I'll break it down in a minute. And they'd say, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. See, here's why that question's important. They're already used to hearing. So what days of the week are good for you? And they have a neural pathway to saying none. In some way, shape, or form, nothing's good for me. So by changing the format of the question, forces a new neural pathway, forces a little bit of extra work, forces them to be in what we call system two, mindful attention, so they don't just give some sort of one-off answer, and they, that is more likely to get the truth. And so system two is engaged, they go, uh, oh, bad for me Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and then of course they go, shoot, I just gave them three open days. And so I go, great, I've got a Monday or Thursday available. What's best for you? That's the, called the alternate choice. From a broader perspective, days, they say, uh, let's go Monday. Now I take alternate choice within a day, morning or the afternoon. And they say, let's go with the morning. I say, great. So now I've distilled it down to the morning. I'm going to give two times. I got a nine or an 11. And they say, let's go nine. Now I'm going to go to location at nine o'clock, either their office or a coffee shop. I said, you want to meet at your office or do you have a favorite coffee shop? And they go, why don't we just meet at my office? Now this last question is critical. I don't say, would you like me to bring you a cup of coffee? Because the answer is always no. Nobody wants to be a burden. So I don't ask it that way. Once I got the meeting time, date, and place, I say, what kind of coffee do you bring? I'll bring you one. And so now I've removed the burden and I just made it non-negotiable. And now at that point, they have to accept. And most people kind of want to accept, right? And so I made it easy for them to accept it at this point. And so they go, yeah, well, well, and you put it that way, uh, you know, I'll take a caramel macchiato, blah, 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 blah. And I get a chance to know about it. And if they have some sort of crazy order, you know, maybe make fun of them a little bit or say, you know what? Or if it's the same order, it's like, wow, that's exactly what I get. Or not a problem. I'll be there. And what's your email? I'll make sure I send it over to you. And we go forward. And so now I would magically book all these appointments. And then people would come up to me afterwards and say, wow, Renee, that was fantastic. Um, what do I do when I get there? <laughs> and I'd say, well, you just kind of do what I just did. Just Talk to them, have a conversation. How do I do that? And that's what blew my mind, is they didn't know how. So I started looking at what it was that I said, and I came down with this formula of, at first it was LVE, listen, validate, expand. I would listen, I would validate, I would expand. And then somebody about a year into it said, you should add an O in there. And I was like, why? And I was like, oh. And I was like, you know what? Observe, listen, observe, validate, expand, L-O-V-E. And that's where the love method came to life. And that's what we were doing. And that is the method, is to listen first, observe people's responses. That's with our, right? We're listening with our ears, we're observing physically with our eyes. Is listening to what's going on, but observing, right? We observe scenarios. We gotta sometimes observe, we're on the phone, 
uh, be observative but you know to toning tone of voice and pacing and pauses an extra pause was going to mean something in context and then validating oh wow that's interesting right as a validation validation is some sort of way of feeding back to the client to the person you're talking to that what they said had an impact on you most people really suck at validating and so and the third one is expand expand on the conversation and the best part about that is if you learn to listen and you observe body language, you're going to be able to hear in the tone of voice of where their passion is, and then you expand on that because I'm listening for something I like about them. Remember, I'm trying to find something I like, not trying to be liked. And you know what that does, by the way, is it empties your mind of an agenda because you cannot do this process well if you're trying to come up with something to say next. You have to have an empty mind. So I asked somebody, so where are you from? They say, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I said, wow, Atlanta, Georgia. Is the name Hotlanta? Is that, uh, have, is it earned? Do you feel like it's earned its reputation? And then they say, well, yeah, it actually does get, get really hot. It does get really hot there. I said, great. What's your favorite thing to do in, uh, in Hotlanta? And they said, you know, I, I love to go fishing. I love to go fishing. I said, fishing? That sounds like fun. And do, you, do you go by yourself or do you bring people? And they said, you know, I like to bring my kids. Oh, that sounds like fun. You see that? Oh, that sounds like fun. That's a validation. And I'm searching for how that affects me. I love going fishing with my kids. So that's my honest response. You know, we keep talking, we talk, and he tells me about his restaurant, and then he tells me, you know, I go, well, what's your favorite thing you eat there? And he goes, liver and onions. And I'm like, oh, my God, God, liver and onions. That's disgusting. Why, why, why in the world do you like liver and onions? By the way, that's disgusting. That is a validation. That's an honest feedback as to how I felt about that. And people think validations are always have to be like, you know, uh, kissing someone's ass. No. Oh, wow. That's great. Like, oh, fantastic. No, sometimes it's, oh my goodness, that's disgusting. But because it, it's honest and sometimes the most, you know, the ones that are like that build the most trust because I know that you're actually telling me the truth. And so, but you know, we laugh about it and I ask, he goes, oh, you know, I, I, my grandparents raised me, he might say. And they always had liver and onions. And for some reason, ever since I was a kid, I just love it. And I, you know, they remind me of my grandparents. And if I'm observing, I'm listening. And I heard his t- drop in a tone in his voice. It just reminds me of my grandparents. I might even say, it sounds like your grandparents were pretty important to you. And he says, yeah, they were everything. I said, oh, can you, I'd love to learn more. Can you tell me more about them? And then I learned the real story, where they came from and why they were, I mean, and now we're connecting. That is what this is about. And if my goal is to try to find people that I like, is there any way to lose this conversation? Because this isn't about business right now. I have found somebody that I like. And the, the law of liking, Dr. Robert Cialdini, one of his laws of influence is the law of liking. He says that we tend to like people who like us. So in some ways, if I like them, the odds are, if I really am good at going out of my way to like them, that they're going to like me back. But what's really interesting too is when I find people I like, I'm happier. And you know what's really easy to do with people that you like? Business. And you got to remember, business at the end of the day is a transaction between two human beings. It's two human beings. And there's out there, people are going to try to make it about computers and all that kind of stuff. And that's going to happen some ways. But at the end of the day, the kind of business that most of us are in is between two people. And the interactions and the teams that we have, we're going to be dealing with, it's between people, human beings. And we need to learn how to connect. We need to learn how to converse and have conversations and listen to what people 
need and how to listen and how to validate. Validation is such a critical thing because there's a part of our brain, the part of our brain called the limbic system that connects with people needs to feel heard and understood. And why? Because it's called an open loop system. See, the primitive parts of our brain, the ones that breathe and heart rate, the ones that deal with their autonomic functions, they're self-regulating, they're closed looped. You can snarl at me, you can give me the finger, you can do anything you want, I'm still gonna breathe and digest my food. I don't need any interaction from the outside world. But the parts of my brain that need to connect with people, they're open loops. So I send a signal out and I'm waiting for one to come back. And depending on how it comes back to me, it might have an impact on me. So if I smile and you don't smile, I might be worried. If I reach out to shake your hand and you don't reach back and you just look at me, that tells me something. So I'm constantly looking at the give and the take in relationships. And so when we're looking at this validation, you're, you're, you're triggering and soothing a part of the brain that is what creates relationships. It's what joins churches, what chooses Android versus Apple, what chooses a political party. You're triggering the most important and most powerful part of the human brain when it comes to relationships. And so listening, not an easy one. You have to clear your mind, clear your agenda, trust that you can find your way in your goal. And the only way to do it, you have to change the agenda. Your agenda is to try to find someone you like and proactively ask the questions and just get curious. And when you do that, you observe body language for finding where are the passion points and so you can uh, validate those moments and expand to learn more. Now, the goal is to keep the spotlight on them. We had one person, so we, we started this because we'll go in circles, I'll put somebody in the hot seat and we'll start with you know, 10, 10, 12 people in the room and they, what they have to do is I'll ask one question to the person in the hot seat, it goes to the first person, they have to listen, observe, validate, ex ask an expanding question and the person in the hot seat answers, it goes to the next person, they have to build upon that to listen, observe, find something they like and ask an expanding question and it kind of goes around the room and if anybody misses it, we start over to create the stress. And one person said, uh, so where are you from? And, person in the hot seat said, I'm from Hawaii. And the person goes, oh my goodness, me and my family travel to Hawaii all the time. We've been there like 50 times. I just, I just love the weather and the food. It's just so amazing. God, it's just awesome. And then all of a sudden we stopped and we're like, I'm like, okay, what are, what are you doing? She's like, well, I'm relating. And a lot of people will defend that saying that they're relating to someone. That is not relating. In this scenario, that is one-upping. Unintentionally one-upping. Because now here all of a sudden, think about it. Where are you from? Hawaii. And they're kind of happy. And now they go, well, I'm from, I've been there too and blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden being from Hawaii, that person, it's not that cool anymore. Right? And so the spotlight went from the person from Hawaii to them. And the whole purpose of this has been defeated. And so the discipline is to wait, saying, oh, wow, Hawaii, what part? You found something you like about them. Yes, you've been there 50 times but not the time to bring that up just yet. So explore, well, what part of Hawaii, what, what do you like about Hawaii, everything, and then all of a sudden, if you find that connection, half hour, 20 minutes, at some point, they're gonna start asking you questions. When that connection is made, you'll feel it, and they'll know it, and then they go, and then you can share, yeah, so I, yeah, actually, I go to Hawaii all the time. They're gonna go, wait, what? You go to Hawaii all the time? Where do you stay? It's like, oh, it's like two blocks from my house, and all of a sudden, there is this bigger excitement that come, takes over, and the underlying message was, and you've from been Hawaii this whole time and you didn't even bring it up, which tells me that you have that kind of either respect or that you're that humble 
about it and you gave me the spotlight. And guess what the person wants to do? They want to give it back to you. And so this whole art of conversation, communicating, dealing with rejection, influencing interpersonally, if we can get to love, listen, observe, validate, expand, I guarantee you, you can change lives. Change is your own. I'll tell you one more story. I had a gentleman that came up to me after one of our sessions. We did the love exercise at the end of day one. This was day two, and he came to me, he had tears in his eyes. And he said, Renee, I haven't been able to connect with my son in three years. He comes in the house, he grunts at me, I try to talk to him, he doesn't talk. And I told myself last night after we practiced love that I would love on him until he talked. And so last night, I was standing in the kitchen and he came in and I said, and I asked him a question and he just uh, grunted at me, I asked him another one and he said, yeah, whatever. And I kept listening, observing, validating, expanding. I kept loving on him. And I did it for 45 minutes, Renee. And then something clicked. And we sat in our kitchen for three hours and he starts just crying. He goes, I haven't been able to talk to my son. We haven't talked like that. We laughed and we cried and we shared and it was the best thing ever. And he said, thank you for getting my son back to me. And I told him, I said, well, reality was I didn't do anything. It was his commitment to the discipline, to loving his kid, to being committed to being a father that listened, to caring enough to be unreasonable and to keep trying. That is leadership as a parent. That's love. So try it out. Listen to people. Observe their behavior. Find the things you love. Validate. And then ask an expanding question. We do this and you can get, you can get deep in about 10 questions. And it takes you no less than five minutes to get to 10 questions. Imagine how far you can get in a 15 minute coffee or an hour lunch. You can change lives. You can get to know people. Last thing I'll tell you is every once in a while, you might find people that you don't like. They're rare, but every once in a while, you're gonna find somebody that <laughs> you go, you know what, I don't know how much I like this person. And here's my suggestion. I was taught a long time ago, Zig Ziglar said, you should leave every client interaction in such a graceful and professional way that it makes it easier for the next person behind you to gain access to that client. That is how we keep our profession clean. That is how we maintain professionalism and integrity in what we do. And so back out gracefully. There's no need to fight with them if they're jerks. Just count your blessings that you don't have to do business with them and you definitely don't have to give and take care of their referrals who are probably gonna be a lot like them. Move on, take your energy, and be thankful that you found somebody you didn't like early on before you got too far down the road. So that's the end of today's episode. If you haven't yet, please subscribe to today. Please share it. Go to meetrene.com. You can go click on podcast or the neuroside.com. We also have our AmpCon event coming up in Las Vegas. Go to ampcon.live. We are, oh my God, we, are, we have some really cool things planned for that event. Ampcon.live. And the book, please, pre-orders are out. By the time you might be listening to the book, is already out, but amplifybook.com. You can also find it on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. 
amplify your influence. If you're looking at pre-orders, send me a message. Um, we have uh, a really fun plan for pre-orders. So all that being said, I appreciate you. Please like and subscribe. Love to get a review if you can. I'm still learning about this process, but I hear those are good. And uh, any requests and all that stuff, I appreciate you all. Follow me on social media. See Renee speak on all platforms. We'll talk to you soon and see you next week. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com.